1: Of the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All Americans Network. It's May 17th, 2019, episode 83. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And it's St. Patrick's Day, the day we're recording. And I think it's kind of appropriate for this podcast as we remember the strong ties of the Rooney family to Ireland, especially Dan Rooney, who served as the ambassador to Ireland from 2009 to 2012. More importantly, Free agency frenzy is upon us.
2: Free agency is upon us indeed. And the NFL is getting shaped as we know it for the 2020 season. We have all realized that um, the Super Bowl has already been set. It's going to be the Browns versus uh, some NFC uh, challenger, I assume, at this point. But... There have been some additions. There have been not many subtractions from the Steelers' standpoint. They kept some guys. They added two new guys that we're going to be talking about, a wide receiver and a cornerback, Steven Nelson and Dante Moncrief. And speaking of the Browns in the Super Bowl, they uh, knocked free agency into another universe by picking up a few key guys. Obviously, they were the ones who had no shame at all bringing Kareem Hunt, one of the NFL's top five running backs, into their team shortly after his domestic dispute. Or, and if by domestic dispute, I mean shortly after we saw the video of him kicking the girl on the ground. They brought him right in a couple weeks after that. And the NFL has now passed down the suspension for him. It's only going to be eight weeks. In my opinion, that just seems a little bit too short. I know I'm sort of going all over the place here right now, but I did want to go through. That's uh, one of the main shaping points of their offense. Eight weeks for Kareem Hunt. does ensure that he will be playing this year. To me, I feel like they should have done a whole year, honestly, and then let him back in the next year because I believe in re- rehabilitating people and giving people second chances. Um, so I'd be fine with that. But just eight weeks seems like it's not very serious at all. Do you have any opinion on how long it should have been or do you think it's long enough or?
1: I think you're very judgy.
2: <laughs> on guys who kick girls?
1: <laughs> i feel like i'm i don't know the right steven a Stephen a even agreed with that penalty i, I couldn't believe it but uh I, I don't know how do you judge these things it, it's pretty gross when you see a tape of the, the the kind we saw and uh you know yes i believe in rehabilitation the guy's basically losing what 60 percent or i mean he he's still on a rookie contract so he's he's not making a lot of money to start so he's losing a lot there so i guess you you're uh denying a guy his livelihood for a pretty significant part of the year so okay i don't know how to judge those things honestly sure that's true you do forfeit half of your salary for, for the year so
2: it's it's not it's not like they only gave him four games or whatever but i just think it would have been harder to stance if they gave him a year and then let him back in and then let's let's have at it because he's going to yeah. start Randy when he comes back so obviously talking about cream hunt on the on the browns the big news is odell freaking beckham junior is on the browns out of nowhere This happened out of nowhere, and now the Browns have probably one of the top five offenses in terms of talent in the league with Baker Mayfield, who obviously he's only in his second year, but let's face it, he tore it up last year when he was in there, and it's not taking a long time for these quarterbacks to get awesome. You pretty much can tell right away. They'll be dominating by their second year. Patrick Mahomes just won MVP with the historic campaign um, and his first year as a starter, second year in the NFL. Carson Wentz should have been the MVP in his second year in the NFL when he got um, hurt. Deshaun Watson destroyed it his rookie year. You're seeing it pretty constantly now at this point. So Baker's there. You got obviously Odell Beckham Jr., in my opinion, really the best receiver in the NFL if he can stay healthy. Um, He's a guy who can do everything that Antonio Brown can do in terms of route running and catching, but he's much faster and can jump out of the building and stuff like that. Um, His best friend, Jarvis Landry, his old running mate from LSU at the other receiver position, they got David Njoku, they got Nick Chubb, they got Kareem Hunt. They're absolutely loaded. They added Sheldon Rankins. I don't know how this guy keeps getting added to different teams, but a defensive tackle, stud, Pro Bowl caliber player, they added him to that defensive line with Miles Garrett, and they're just uh, they are now at this point the front runners in the AFC, and I think a lot of Steelers fans are kind of freaking out because <laughs> the rich got richer there in Cleveland, while we saw Antonio Brown obviously get signed by the Raiders, uh, Le'Veon Bell did end up signing with the Jets for basically less money than the Steelers offered. You can look at that in a few different ways. He got, uh, the way he explained it is he got the guarantees he wanted. He knows he's getting the $30 million um, for at least two years. Um, and that gives him peace of mind. But honestly, the way the Steelers contract was, was, was structured, he would have gotten that money and more within the first two years. If he had signed with the Steelers originally, like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's basically how it works out. And the only way he couldn't have gotten it because the argument everyone is trying to give is that well, he, it's guaranteed money for the Jets. It's 100 percent no matter what happens to him. If he blows out his knee, he gets this, you know, whatever the guarantee number was. But I would just counter and say, yes, you're right. But if you look at the Steelers, he would have made that same money in the first two years. And some people want to say, well, what if he blew out his knee in the first year? What would happen then? So, well, the Steelers wouldn't sign the guy to a huge contract and then watch him get a knee injury and then cut him the year after. I mean, his leg would have to fall off for that to happen. So worst case scenario, he's getting the first two years. But he took a little bit of an L on that when we thought that there would be somebody out there who would be down to pay him more than Todd Gurley or David Johnson. He didn't get more than either one of those guys.
1: I think everybody's looking at the the math, right? I mean, how much more is he going to add at that price tag when you can get these rookie contracts or a song? There's just too many examples of guys who come in their freshman year and tear it up.
2: Yeah, well, uh, he's going to make them better, that's for sure. But it is interesting to see that his market was a little lukewarm, and it does sort of seem like he lost that bet. I mean, a lot of Steelers fans, we want to say he lost that bet because obviously we're hurt to the core of us, and he doesn't want to ever admit that he made the wrong decision there. But it sort of seems like you went to – you're on a worse team now. Sure, they have somewhat of an upward trajectory, but it's not like the Browns who are obviously going to be competing heavily. You went to another team that's not as good. You missed – a lot of of time and 14.5 million dollars that you would have had in the bank
1: no matter what so um hey i i agree with you about the bronze trajectory but let's talk about the cost of that trajectory and i just looked at this over the last 16 years they have had three seasons when they weren't fourth in the division they've had one year when they had a winning record when they had the double digit uh record so it took a long time to build up that war chest and a lot of suffering in Cleveland. And I'm still not convinced that these pieces are going to come together so fluidly, but we yeah. we shall see.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're, I mean, I think that they should, they definitely should be the favorite. They were already looking like the favorite before they added Odell Beckham Jr. Just in terms of talent, they got it right now. Um, and you're right. It's because they sucked so badly that the, the rules of the NFL are so that if you suck, we're going to give you all the opportunities to acquire better players by higher draft positions. And then they didn't have anybody good that they were paying. So they're able to trade for guys and sign them in free agency. So they are that good right now. But do I think they're a shoe in for first place? Not at all. I, I think that the Steelers are are almost neck and neck with them. And the Steelers, unfortunately, you know they never have that sexy free agency period that you see with a team like the Browns or something like that but they did make two moves that were very solid that sort of mirrored, mirrored the moves they made last year. They wait till the smoke clears till you get all the initial blue chip players who are going to get overpaid by teams who have the money to do so. So you know I support the Jets signing a CJ Mosley even though they seem to be overpaying him. It's like hey, that's the price to do in business and you got money to spare. The Steelers don't really have money to spare, but they made two solid signings in wide receiver Dante Moncrief and cornerback Stephen Nelson. So we'll start with Stephen Nelson. Stephen Nelson's a cornerback from the Kansas City Chiefs. So already, that's a red flag. That's a red alert. They had one of the worst defenses in history last year. They had Patrick Mahomes on their team, and they were scoring 40 points in a game and losing those games. So it's a little bit scary, but... I watched a little bit of him, and I talked to some of my good friends who are Chiefs fans, particularly John Danner. Shout out to JD. But the, 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 the notebook out on Steven Nelson is this. He's not a, a supremely talented, first-round um, talent type of guy. Um, he's athletic and he's fast, but he's not super fast. But he's a very aggressive cornerback. He's certainly an upgrade over Cody Sensabaugh. And he goes for a lot of picks. He had four last year, which of course equals the amount of interceptions that the Steelers defensive backs had as a whole last year. So that's nice. You got someone who's actually very aggressive and tries to take the ball away. He was one of the lead leaders in penalties down the field as a result of some of that of aggression. And since he's not like a, you know, upper tier athlete, first round talent, like I was saying, he doesn't have, you know, it's not like you just signed you know, Marcus Peters, who's another example of a gambler who gets burned a lot, but he makes huge plays. I'd say it might be like a poor man's Marcus Peters, but he specializes in playing man-to-man, where the Chiefs played almost exclusively man-to-man last year. And the Steelers, over the second half of the year, played more man-to-man than any other team in the league, surprisingly, uh, towards the end there. And so he really fits what they wanted. A guy who's a starter, he's tough, he plays through, um, you know— He's always on the field. He is aggressive. He's going to try to make interceptions. He was able to do that last year. The Steelers need that, and the Steelers want guys who can play some man. Are you going to be able to get Jalen Ramsey in free agency if the Steelers? No, but I think Steven Nelson was a good signing because he fits what the Steelers needed, and he'll start on the outside, and I think the Steelers finally have their first set of at least competent cornerbacks in the last eight years or so with – Hilton, Nelson and Joe Hayden. And then if you can keep Cody Sensaball, that's a nice first backup. And obviously you have Cam Sutton.
1: Seems like a classic Steelers sign up three year contract reportedly worth twenty five and a half million. Um, you know, not not pocket change, right. but definitely not some of these eye popping numbers we've been seeing from the teams going after free agencies right out of the gate.
2: Last year, the Steelers waited for the smoke to clear, and then they signed John Bostick, who nobody was looking at at inside linebacker. And they also signed Morgan Burnett. And those did really seem like solid signings. They didn't turn out well, okay? And I think that Morgan Burnett, his was actually a little bit more due to injuries, which um, was actually one of his problems in, at the end of his tenure in Green Bay. So they rolled the dice on that. It didn't work out because by the last four or five games, he was playing better in Pittsburgh. It's just at this point, it it, it seems like it's better to move on. We all assume that they would cut Morgan Burnett, but it hasn't happened yet. So he actually might be sticking around, and maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because he did acquit himself a little bit more nicely in the last four games, even though we all want to hate him because he he signed a contract. But either way, these are the things that I'm talking about. Like When you look at the money for what Earl Thomas signed for, I do think – you know, I would have liked the Steelers to be aggressive with somebody like that. But these are guys uh, – Steven Nelson is a guy who can plug in and he can start. They tried to offer the deal to Bradley Roby, uh, the cornerback from Denver. That would have been really ideal because that's more of a first, second-round caliber type of athlete. He denied the deal that Pittsburgh gave him, and he went to go take a one-year prove-it deal. I think in Houston. I could be wrong, but I think it was in Houston. Uh, because he wants to see if he can really cash in big time the next year. So can you really fault them for that? Uh, I guess not. Maybe he just had his mind up with a one-year deal. So you didn't get Roby. That would have been nicer. But you did get a guy who is definitely a starter and uh, does what the Steelers need with the man-to-man and trying to take the ball away. So they did what they could do with what was available.
1: So it takes a little pressure off in the draft. It does, yeah. Which Which we'll be talking about momentarily
2: exactly why don't we um uh while we're still on the subject dante moncrief is a receiver um that they signed dante, he's a this is a good signing man the way i look at dante moncrief is like break glass in case of emergency dhb and justin hunter are going to be gone this year let's just say dante moncrief will be a huge upgrade over justin hunter Because Dante Moncrief has had some real production. I think he scored like three TDs against the Steelers when he was with the Colts. But he's a guy who can get downfield and make big plays. But he's kind of been a forgotten man. And I think he gets a little more crap than he deserves in the media because he hasn't had very productive seasons this past two years. Well, last year he was playing with Blake Bortles. (laughs) Nobody within a 100-mile vicinity of Blake Bortles has has a productive season. Look what happened to the Miami Dolphins. You think that was their fault? No. It was Blake Bortles' fault. Bortles disease. It's like ground zero for bad passing offenses. But And then the year before that, he was playing with Jacoby Brissett in a year when the Colts weren't sure if Andrew Luck was going to come back or not. But he's the kind of guy who can go in and he can start a few games for you at the beginning of the season like they had Justin Hunter do a few years ago when we were waiting for Juju to get his sea legs. Um, And he can make plays. And he's a guy who's done that in the NFL. He's not a consistent guy. I don't know if I'd call him a really reliable number two or anything like that. But assuming the Steelers can get a blue trip wide receiver within the first two rounds in the draft, probably in the second round, because obviously this whole draft revolves and relies on the Steelers acquiring middle linebacker Devin Bush from Michigan, which we'll get into in a minute. But if they can get a guy in the second or maybe even the third, obviously Steelers have had a lot of success with that type of stuff. Um, You know, this is a guy who can hold the fort down at the beginning and then, you know, provide some depth. Uh, as well I think some national media are trashing the Steelers for signing Dante Moncrief thinking that this is our final plan Dante Moncrief isn't a final plan he just makes the receiver room better
1: he does and if uh, I'm trying to dig up this statistic I read earlier in the week that other than AB I think Dante Moncrief is up there with the most number of uncatchable passes thrown his way
2: yeah he played with not surprising (laughs)
1: given this source yeah yeah,
2: yeah, he's so surprising um, about AB. It wouldn't, and, and honestly, like if we get to the end of this offseason, I mean, I, it's not for sure that the Steelers are going to get a, a receiver within the first two rounds. You want them to, but you've seen how it's gone with running corners or running inside linebackers the past two years. If they don't have a guy available to pick at the time when they're picking, you know, if they don't have a a second round graded receiver available to them in the second round, they're probably not going to take him. You know, unless there's no other good other good option. So you could see a situation where if the draft just doesn't break the Steelers' way and they don't get the receiver they want, Dante Moncrief might have to start more than you'd like at the outside. And that, honestly, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario in the world. You know, it, it, like, you still have Juju, Eli Rogers, who we re-signed, Switzer, Vance McDonald, hopefully he plays 90% of the games, um... Anyways, you got you got some options. Washington, hopefully he comes along. So it wouldn't be the, a trash wide receiver room, let's say. But, of course, we do hope they upgrade on him.
1: So solid, solid pickups, not overpaying. And uh, also, so, so we picked up – we extended three current uh, guys on the roster. You want to talk about them?
2: Yes. Bud Dupree's $9.2 million was guaranteed today for his uh, five sacks per year. I will say this: We've talked as much trash about Bud as anybody else over the years because it's just it's it's clear the guy's never going to develop. He's never going to live up to his first round status as a pass rusher. But I will say this, man: Every year he's played through a major injury, whether it's the shoulder. I mean, it's been the shoulder a lot of the times. Or what? What did he? Uh, did he dislocate the shoulder like halfway through the last year or, or something and play the whole year with it? This could be the first year where he actually plays healthy. And like we said before. He's a decent starter. He's like a C-plus starter, and if you get rid of him, you need a plan to replace him. And I know everybody wants to replace him with Justin Houston, who was recently released by the Kansas City Chiefs, and maybe that is in the cards, and that could be pretty cool. But it might not be. It, It sort of depends on if Justin Houston wants to take the money that the Steelers have available to him or if he wants to make the most money he can um, but if if Bud Dupree's your starter, you're doing okay. I think he could go from five to maybe even seven sacks if he's not playing injured the whole year. Because, face it, that's a big deal, playing injured the whole year. And, and he's had significant ones that would keep other people out. So, at least that's another position where, like, you can't just release him and then not get Justin Houston and then get stuck starting Chicolo for the whole year, who they also ex- signed, uh, extended for $4 million per year. Apparently, the Patriots were trying to get him, but... It's a little disappointing with the with the Chicolo resigning. He's a great depth piece and a core special teams player, which is really critical. But it's just a little disappointing seeing that room not uh, not improved and, and putting so much money into two guys who are below the line. I would hope that Ola Adeniyi earns that third spot behind Watton and Dupree instead of Chicolo. But you know, so be it. They kept some continuity. They obviously lost Jesse James in free agency to the Detroit Lions. Uh, that's a really great role player guy. We were happy about keeping Finney and Foster, and it, it just goes into that depth thing we're talking about. At least Chicolo, you can put him on the field, and he's not going to be a disaster. And obviously, he gives you a lot on special teams. It just feels wrong to be putting over, you know, like twelve, you know, thirteen million dollars into Chicolo and Dupree seems a little ridiculous. But I think that's just kind of the corner that they got backed into.
1: Well, I think Dupree's actually going to – I think your number is within reach because you got Danny McCullers back for two years. And I think <laughs> right. with yet another year under his belt, there's going to be even further pressure up the middle.
2: How much do they give him?
1: They still haven't listed it yet.
2: Hopefully it was you know, a couple of ham sandwiches because that, that just seems – the yeah. guy hasn't had an ounce of production any year that he's been in Pittsburgh. He must be like the coolest guy ever if they keep re-signing him.
1: He's a locker room guy.
2: He's a locker room guy. So they've kept some of the depth with re-signing Tyson Alulu. And is uh, again, a little uh, uninspiring. But another guy they re-signed with somebody who we love is Eli Rogers. Got a two-year extension. I love this. I think Rogers and Switzer are going to be in that old Sanders versus 84 conversation in terms of two dogs, one bone. I mean, you have a deep slot room. Those guys could both be starters on, on many NFL teams, I think. And Switzer is another one who played the whole year last year with some sort of ankle sprain, apparently. So he looked good last year. I'm excited to see if he can actually get that second gear he was missing last year, um, if he's healthy. So, like I said, if Monk, you know, if there isn't a blue trip receiver added in the draft, you don't have, uh, a great receiver room, but you don't have a bad one either. And adding Eli Rogers is, is nice because he's done some good things in his Steelers career. Obviously not a guy that you can rely on consistently, though.
1: Well, what's what's odd is that they signed him early. He had um, – he was supposed to cost what – I'm looking at the numbers here – $720,000 si- this season. Minimum uh, salary 12. for him, but they uh, – yeah. so a two-year contract extension. Interestingly, uh, he's bulking up by turning vegan.
0: Welcome
2: up by turning. If you vegan. heard the
1: interview earlier this week, yeah,
2: vegan, huh? A lot of NFL players do that, but you got to add some sort of. You know, Chris Sims talks about this. Uh, you know, being an ex NFL player and a guy who eats sort of in the vegan rain, but if you're like an NFL player, they do talk about needing to get that protein from actual meat to get big enough to sustain uh the, pain, the the pounding of a season, but he's a little guy, he's a little quick guy to begin with. So maybe he's just seeing if he can go from a a four five or you know a four four eight to a four three with the with the
1: extra three pounds he'll lose from being a vegan. This is America. It's with a vegan with NFL players. Yeah, you can't do that in Pittsburgh. It just doesn't seem uh, especially right. in Pittsburgh me get that guy a permanent Bro. sandwich All right, Um, so we're going to start our our draft review this week, and we're going to focus on wide receivers. So you've spent a lot of time looking at tape. Yes. Who have you chosen? Who are we going to look at?
2: So we're going to look at a couple guys. I gave you a preview of one guy who's the apple of my eye. I tweeted at John Ledyard had tweeted this guy as well, Uh, another big uh, Steelers analyst, one of the guys who runs the draft network, which if you guys want to get really in-depth into the draft. That site is unbelievable, www.thedraftnetwork.com. Uh, it's really in the weeds. It gets pretty specific and pretty nerdy with it, but it's a beautiful site. It's very easy to navigate, and they have breakdowns for like all the major players and stuff like that. Um, just a shout out to John Lanyard, another good Steelers analyst. I know some people out there don't like him. They think he screws, ne- uh, skews negative, but he's got good things to say. And I just sent that tweet out. I think this morning, um, he's hoping that the Steelers pick up this Hakeem Butler, who was the first guy I listed for you guys last week. Um, specifically because I think the Steelers in this draft need to target an outside receiver who can stretch the field, who can make big plays down, down the field and occupy, um, you know that role or some of the duties that the trader occupied while he was here for nine uh, glorious years. But Hakeem Butler from Iowa State is one guy we're going to look at. He's a six six monster who ran a four four eight. Um, he's very good. That would be a dream come true. Also going to look at Nikhil Henry from Arizona State. Another big dude, six three, ran a four five. He's not the burner that um, Hakeem Butler is, but he's definitely a playmaker. Uh, Another one is Debo Samuel, slot receiver from South Carolina. He's a very popular pick for the Steelers. Um, I don't know how much uh, – well, we'll get there when we get there. And then some guys who are hopefully more like second, third round guys because those guys, I think, if the Steelers got into a situation, they might have to take one of those guys in the first round and they'd be lucky if one of those first three slid to them at their draft pick. Oh, Nikhil Harry. Sorry. Um, Here, I'm seeing. I just messed that up. But – they would need to draft those first three guys, maybe in the first, and they'd be lucky if they slid to them in the second, it's looking like. These next two guys they could pick up either in the second or maybe the third. And it's two Ohio State receivers: Terry McLaurin from Ohio State and Paris Campbell. This is my guy, so we'll save the best for last. Best for last. So just a quick review on Hakeem Butler from last week. He is um he's some sort of alien. He's a godlike creature. I don't know. What rules were broken when they created him? Because the man is six six, he runs a four four eight, and he's not just a Martavis Bryant, which means go straight or catch a screen pass. Nope, this guy can actually work underneath and make some nice um, cuts, especially at his size the negatives are he does struggle with some drops but i'd say most of the giant receivers the big playmakers they do struggle with drops it's kind of part of it like martavis we used to say if he could just bring his catch percentage from like 50 to 60 you'd have five more touchdowns a year but was it worth it having martavis totally yes it was even the beginning of sammy coates career his short lasted five games stint of of goodness before he he tumbled away he had a bad catch percentage but it was still worth it to have a guy who can stretch the field like that because there's just only a few guys in the world who can just blaze past NFL defenders and score long touchdowns and it also makes the defense respect them in a different way where you can't just shade all your coverage to Juju because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that offense running through Juju so Hakeem Butler is really complete in this way. He's humongous. He can make downfield plays, but he can also work uh underneath as well. And he's he's a willing blocker and everything like that. I'd like to see him get a little bit more nasty, which I feel like is is something you see a lot in those big guys. But uh the drops, it doesn't really bother me that much. That would be a huge grab. Um I don't know if he'll last all the way. Uh, to the Steelers pick in the second round. Some people even think he might go in the first. But if he's there in the second round and the Steelers don't take him, we're shutting the podcast down. That's the first guy.
1: <laughs> Butler. Okay. Second guy. Uh, we, did, we did correct the uh, name. I had to look that up really quick. It is Keel Harry Hakeem. from Arizona State. He's on the all-name
2: team. So this guy is another giant playmaker, but he's not really a burner. So Nikhil Henry from Arizona State, out of all the players I watched so far, and I probably watched like eight to ten wide receivers, Nikhil Harry is the most consistent with contested catches. And he can actually go up and make back shoulder catches with his hands. Like he'll high point the ball and jump up and grab it. He doesn't just jump up and, and basket catch it or, or or anything like that. He has some, you know, poor man's Dez Bryant, maybe Anquan Bolden, Michael Crabtree type qualities in that way. He's not super fast or explosive. He's not a burner. So he's not really gonna take the top off of that defense. But what I like about him is he can make those back shoulder catches downtown. And uh, he's a very, very good open field runner for his size, particularly on screens. And one of the games I watched him play, they threw him like five screens in the first half. And he's just very economical about the way he runs on the screens. And he ends up dragging guys and he can make a guy miss here or there. And I just found that interesting for a guy who's, he's not lumbering. This isn't Kelvin Benjamin um, or anything like that, but He's a guy who doesn't burn downfield. Maybe it sort of reminds me of a, of a Golden Tate in a way, just less quick. But Golden Tate's a guy who always confuses me why he's so good running with the ball because he's not a burner. And he runs like <laughs> – Golden Tate runs like the roadrunner. Like, his, his chest is out, his head is backwards, and, and he tiptoes his way for 10 yards all the time. But anyways, Nikhil Harry. Not going to take the top off the defense, but he's very consistent playmaker downfield, and he's going to moss cats all day long, high pointing, back shoulders, and a weapon in the screen game. Um, But, you know, obviously, if you're comparing him and Akeem Butler, you might prefer the guy who can take the top off the defense.
1: Um, Next, we have Debo
2: Samuel out of South Carolina. Debo! These guy's got good names this year. It'd be nice to add a Debo. We lost the Debo, who keeps trashing the team in the media, James Harrison, a couple of years ago. But Debo Samuel, this guy is a beast athlete, and he's a, a really well-respected prospect who had a big injury in his college career, which he overcame. So that sort of dipped his stock, and he kind of grew it back um, this coming year. So this guy, he is a running back who plays wide receiver, basically. Again, that's actually a Chris sims term the, the running back receiver um which i like that i gotta think of my own but when i watched him uh he reminded me so much of dj Moore and curtis samuel the panthers receivers if you watch their offense at all last year except for when they played the steelman we put them into the ground and then our season went into the ground shortly after that <laughs> but Those guys are like the the Panthers had the craziest offense where it had DJ Moore from Maryland, Curtis Samuel from Ohio State, and then obviously McCaffrey and Cam Newton. It was all these little misdirection things and quick plays just to get the ball in the receiver's hands early. Golden Tate, he's another one of these guys. You get him the ball within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and he's going to make people miss. Well, that's what Debo Samuel's like, except for he has the anger of God in him. This dude is 5'11", 2'14", but he runs a 4'48", and he is visibly explosive on tape. And he loves contact. I haven't seen many receivers who are like this. When he gets the ball on screens, which he gets many screens every game, he breaks tackles. And he's very quick tip quick twitch he i think he played a little bit like percy harvin like role for south carolina earlier in his career where they just found ways to get him the ball you know like a lot of those college studs and he just knows how to make big plays in in the open field there was one play that had me salivating against mizzou where he was running down the field kind of on a go route type situation or like a fade from the slot he was 20 yards downfield the crappy quarterback who, who misses his, his receivers mostly at South Carolina. But the quarterback um, threw the ball to him, and Debo Samuel jumped up in between two guys at 20 yards, high-pointed the ball, which is very important to me uh, for a college receiver because you don't see that a lot. They like to the basket catch a lot. And if you see guys who can high-point the ball, that shows you some ball skills. High-pointed it, caught it in between the two defenders, and landed like right when his feet touched the ground, Boom. He shot himself out of a cannon and, and changed direction and gained another 15 yards and dragged a couple guys along the way. That's just upper echelon athleticism that you can't teach. And there's other guys in this list who, who don't have that and you can't get that anyway. And, and he has that. So he is a running back like receiver who breaks tackles and he could bust out long runs at any point. And he had nice success in the red zone, dragging guys into the end zone and stuff like that. The only thing about him is I don't know if he can play outside. They played him like exclusively in the slot. And he, he's such a beast athlete and he runs a 4-4. So you could see it would be possible for him to play the outside. But if he's never done it before, you know, I, I don't know if he'll be able to or not. And maybe that's just a problem the Steelers would need to deal with. It's like, hey. Juju is really good in the slot, so you'd like to find a guy on the outside. But maybe you keep Juju on the outside more, and, and this guy's such a good athlete that you just find a way to get him on the field and get him the ball. But I listen to at third because he's uh, – like I said, he's not a prototypical outside guy.
1: Well, as we drop down the list, you actually uh, get to the burners, the fast guys. So Terry McCarlin. McLaurin, like the car. McLaren from Ohio State. Thank you.
2: Yeah. It's a – it's an apt name for him because Lauren, the guy can burn a little bit. He's, he's not a true burner in terms of like, a, like that Mike Wallace role or even Sammy Coates role. But he can take the top off the defense and he can catch some deep passes, maybe like a Dante Moncrief. But he doesn't have super elite speed, but he's got great footwork and he's got great releases off the line of scrimmage. That means he doesn't get really caught up in the junk down there. And, he just, and he, I just saw him make plays downfield at Ohio State. And that's what they said last year about James Washington at Oklahoma State. But the difference is with James Washington was I was almost shocked every time James Washington caught the ball because he's so lumbering. And I just didn't know how that was going to project at the next level of the NFL. I saw this guy at Oklahoma State who wasn't very fast and he couldn't jump very high, but he just consistently was either wide open at Oklahoma State or he would just make catches over people's head. And I didn't know how – how like. How consistently are you going to make catches over people's head in the NFL? And when he started with the Steelers in the preseason, Washington, he did it a ton. He was incredible in the preseason, and it was all uh, mirroring the success he had at OK State. He was catching the ball over dudes' heads. And then that just disappeared during the regular season. So I guess we'll find out. But the difference with Terry McLaurin is I saw him make plays down, down the field, and he was getting himself open with his routes and his ability to finish plays at the end. Uh, um, at the end there. And so he's not really a number one receiver. He's six foot, but he ran a four, three, five. So that he, he has the burner time. He wasn't just destroying everyone like a Mike Wallace, but he is like a, a number two or three receiver who, who would fill a nice role in that, you know, like, okay, this guy's going outside day one. I don't know if he's going to start day one or not, but he fills that exact role of what we're looking for uh, with, An outside receiver takes the top off, and he could be a guy that you might be able to get in the third round, maybe the second round, depending on how they like him or how the draft's breaking.
1: And then we get to the number one. I guess he's tied for the first fastest, Paris Campbell.
2: Paris Campbell is sort of a combination of the last two guys we talked about. First off, he's got the the coolest name, maybe in the draft. So that alone, we might have to just take into account. Because if you have Juju and Paris on the outside, I just – I don't know how teams defend that. You got Vance in the middle, and then we won't throw the ball to the Jameses too much. But either way, Debo Samuel, we called him a running back-like receiver. Terry McLaurin, the guy who takes the top off the defense. Well, Paris Campbell is six foot, and he ran 205, and he ran the fastest 40 in the combine for wide receivers. He tied at number one, 4 one which makes it confusing to why Ohio State played him exclusively in the slot and never ran him on go routes. (laughs) All he ran were these like little Z outs and hook routes into the middle, but then they would run him on reverses and stuff. And this guy was liable to take a reverse 90 yards for a touchdown at any point in the game. And six foot 205, he's got that perfect frame where he's strong enough to break tackles and make people miss a little bit, but fast enough where he's going to burn. This guy just, he's a great, Athlete in this great open field vision, running back like. Now, I he didn't break as many tackles and he wasn't as violent as a Debo Samuel was when he was running, but he did seem much faster and more decisive with his cuts. Now, I don't know why they didn't run this guy down the field, but he runs a 4-3-1. That's burner speed, right? So you you could project him to be an outside receiver, um, similar to what we said as Debo Samuel at the next level. But you know, like we said before, we don't we haven't seen him play out there. There's a different set of skills you have to use to to release and to get off the line against number one and number two corners. You have to be able to track the ball down the field when you're going on go routes. That that is a specific skill. It's not as easy as just running out there and catching it. You got to learn how to work the boundary and toe you know toe taps and stuff like that so it, it is a little bit of projection. but what i like about him is for some reason they're not talking about him in the same um breath as Debo samuel as much and i don't see any drop off from either one of the players and this is a guy who'd be available in the second or third round hopefully there is some rumor that he could go in the first but he could be available for the steelers and it's just such an incredible value and if you get a four three guy with ben roethlisberger there's really almost no better quarterback in the league to put a deep ball guy with and he could really turn him into something so the, the only negatives is i didn't get to see him catch any of those really contested balls where he's high pointing at. i didn't get to see him catch those deep balls but um he just made plays constantly and he was voted team captain and he's so he's a big leader as well and the steelers could use more of those leadership-type qualities, obviously, at the receiver position specifically. But he also came into the combine, and I think he said something like, my name's Paris Campbell, and y'all better watch out, or something like that. So he's got the confidence, too, and the swag, which is necessary for a receiver, in my opinion.
1: Well, those are our top five. Uh, we You had a few more listed here, and I'm not sure we need to go through them, but one uh, one target of interest, Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I don't know if I could have another man, member of that family
2: uh, in in the Steelers, you know, facility, and I honestly wonder <laughs> if the Steelers would take him. If for anybody who doesn't know, Marquise Hollywood Brown, Antonio Brown's cousin, one of the biggest, uh, well, one of the best receivers in college, was Kyler Murray's main target at Oklahoma. Uh, he's five nine. He is tiny, one hundred sixty five pounds. He runs a 4-3. He is a true burner. He is a downtown, take-the-top-off-the-defense guy. Sometimes it could be tough with, you know, the schools like Oklahoma because they seem, you know, like they're kind of open a lot, but he's definitely a guy who can take the top off the defense and would fit what the Steelers need. He doesn't have, you know, the punt returner-like agility like number 84 had, but he's a guy that I wouldn't be totally shocked if they randomly took him in the first round or something like that. But uh, I, so I don't really see that.
1: Sure. You're not sure you'd gamble on the um, the DNA.
2: Yeah, I'd probably hedge my bets on that. But if I were to bet on it, I would definitely, definitely use my bookie because my bookie offers betters in all major markets an entertaining lineup of gaming options that lets you do prop bets. You can bet on the draft. Will the Steelers draft a first-rounded player? In the first round will it actually happen this year i don't know um by the way we need to talk about devin bush later but maybe we'll save that for next week plenty of time but anyways if i am betting on the steelers taking a first round player i'm doing it on my bookie and i'm probably gonna do it on their mobile site because you can do it on your phone it's easy to navigate they got a sleek design that offers for that easy navigation remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with Visit mybookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use the promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Let's claim up to $1,000 in free play.
1: You play, you win, you get paid. Speaking of getting paid, did you read the story, um, the critique on the Steelers' approach to free agency and that the Steelers might need to change the way they do deals?
2: I didn't read the story, but you and I have talked about that over the past year. They might need to reconsider how they do guaranteed deals because they sort of lost AB and Le'Veon Bell because they don't want to give out guaranteed money like that. And I just think that players, you know, players mindsets are sort of changing, I think there have been some, you know, AB and Odell getting traded in the offseason. The same offseason has changed the way people think about this. Le'Veon Bell being the first real prime player to sit out a whole year to wait for a deal because solely of guaranteed money. They really might have to look at how they do that, you know, especially with what's happening in the NBA and and stuff like that. So I didn't read the article, but, you know, if they lose Juju down the line, then (laughs) they got to switch it up.
1: Well, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, if you there's what could you have done about Antonio? You did you made him the number one wide receiver, and he broken them halfway through into, into his contract. And the thing with Le'Veon again, an unprecedented move. And yeah, did did they? Uh, we keep making this claim that he would have gotten just as much money with the Steelers as he gotten guaranteed effectively because the Steelers complete their contracts. But how much more would that have been for the Steelers to lock down a little bit more money? They had no idea what. A competitive team would have offered in that case
2: right but it doesn't change the fact that they do offer less guaranteed money than any other team in the league besides like the Giants and Le'Veon Bell did cite the guaranteed money as the reason for why he was holding out he said that repeatedly throughout the holdout and then just after he signed with the Jets he said like yeah I know the deal you know it looks like Pittsburgh offered me more money but here's the whatever the guarantee was for the Jets. And that's why I stayed. So it was directly tied to guaranteed money. I'm with you. That's only two guys, but, and and really one of them, Le'Veon's the one you can truly say was strictly about guaranteed money. A B other things went into it, but I'm just saying they're going to need to look at it if it happens again. But overall, you know, they've done a good job of keeping players.
1: Well, you don't know that until you start looking at the teams that do these large guarantees because the Steelers are able to remain competitive you know, again, look at what the Browns have done over the last 16 years. The Steelers stay competitive because they don't overpay. Yeah. And maybe you do some guarantees, but does that result in a, in a competitive product? Or do you drain do you drain your resources to bring in a few superstar, so-called superstars and then take the money away from offensive line? Um, well, let's not talk about DBs. Right. <laughs> but take it away from other places where you need to invest. No, that's a good point. I guess the jury's
2: still out. If the Steelers win the Super Bowl this year or next year, whatever it is. I mean, we keep going back to this paradox where it's like if James Conner is giving you eighty to ninety to you know percent of the production at a fraction of the cost. I mean, not even a tenth of the cost. Then you are able to sign Stephen. Well, I wish I could say you were able to sign Bradley Roby, but I guess we got Stephen Nelson to to write home about. But you're right. I mean, you only get a certain amount of money to spend on your team. And it's I would really like to have <laughs> made a, an Earl Thomas signing or something like that. I guess they didn't get to use that um, the, the levy on money directly as that. But if you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, you know, James Conner, eighty percent of the production for a fraction of the cost it's like almost just math at that point. I mean, obviously there's things that Le'Veon accounts for that don't show up on the stat sheet in the way that teams have to prepare for you. And that's why I'm only saying James Conner gives you 80% of the production when in fact, last year he gave you more. I mean, he had better average and he was making better yards and everything like that. But I guess the jury's still out, but I do think it is significant that, you know, the two best offensive players really in in the history of the franchise left uh, at the same time. So, I'm with you. you I, I don't think you need to change it right now, but I think it's something that you need to look at going forward because times change. Um, but the jury's still out for me.
1: Hey, I'm going to link a story from today's Washington Post on the website that talks about the success of these free agents and how many, what percentage of free agents are still on the team that picked them up two years later. And in other news, in AAF news, Johnny Manziel is back. Thank God. He signed with the Memphis Express. Well, it's probably a good
2: thing. I mean, I don't think the guy's going to succeed. He's shown that over and over again. He just keeps getting lower. I mean, I hope he gets his mental facilities in order. But I think we said that the first week when we did the AAF segment, that, like, somebody with a huge name like Johnny Manziel might help that league. There's only a few guys who would have that kind of clout. And if like Tebow came out (laughs) for retirement to go play for them. Guys who I'm not necessarily saying will be good – But they're at least way more famous than Zach Mettenberger.
1: Right. Who he's replacing, who just got hurt, by the way. Yeah, that
2: looked bad. I actually saw the replay. He broke his ankle or something, and he kind of got caught in a blender there.
1: All right. I think that does it for this week. Who are we looking at? What position are we looking
2: at next week? Well, we might as well take the cat out of the bag and look at the inside linebackers. And if by inside linebackers, we might as well just look at Devin Bush because it's Devin Bush or bust for the Steelers in the draft they did not pick up any of the free agent inside linebackers and we lost lj fort the man who should have been a starter the whole year last year but now you don't have a single linebacker on the team who can cover you got williams Bostic for the time being and matt Kavich. that is bottom of the barrel in terms of coverage ability um, if you so Bush obviously tested off the charts at the combine, there's some people that think the Steelers will be able to land him at 20. There are some people that think he would only, they would only have to trade up a couple spots, but basically after Devin Bush, there's nothing. I think, um, the guy from Alabama is someone to take a look at, but he's not a, a blue chip type player. Another Devin, Devin white, the inside linebacker from LSU is pretty much going to go in the top 12. So he, he's kind of out. So if you don't get him and you don't get Bush, the Steelers are going into next year with Vince Williams and John Bostic again, and that just cannot happen. So who knows? Maybe the Steelers are going to use that extra third-round pick they got for the greatest receiver in the world. Besides Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, maybe they'll have to leverage that to, to trade up for Devin Bush, and it'll be a great fit. I think uh, Tom, what's the guy? Um, one of the Steelers reporters, Tom Jaggi or something like that? I don't know. I'm butchering the guy's name, but somebody uh, posted the combine stats for Devin White, Devin Bush versus Ryan Shazier. Um, I think I retweeted it. It's absurd. Ryan, I mean Shazier, got first place in every category that they listed. Every drill, you know, height, weight, everything like that. It really just shows how unbelievable Shazier was and how crazy it was they got him when they got him in the draft.
1: Hey, we want to hear your feedback. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, uh, see you next week and go Steelers. Go
0: Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match.